Uh, This is Resurrection Sunday morning, and we welcome you to Palm Vista Community Church. My name is Al Pino. I have the privilege of being one of the two pastors here. We also have a pastoral intern that we're training to plant a church one day, a Spanish-speaking church one day in Hialeah, just to our south. And yes, amen. And and the reason we do that, my friends, is because of the life of Jesus Christ that we celebrate this morning. And what we do at this time in the service is we listen to God. Now, none of us has heard an audible voice. Uh, if you do, let me know. Uh, but none of us has heard an audible voice. But you know how God speaks to us, dear friends? He speaks to us through the Bible. This happens to be a rather large one. In case some of you give me a hard time, I can just hit you with it. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to read the Bible. We're going to spend time reading what God has to say to us because God communicates to us through his word. So if you have a Bible, please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 21. John chapter 3, verse 21. John is the fourth book of the Bible, the gospel of John. Fourth book of the New Testament, excuse me. The gospel of John. And you should have a copy of the notes And so in the notes, I'm going to be referring to some scriptures. You'll have them right there. And failing those two things, a Bible or the notes, we'll be putting the scriptures right up here on these screens. Are we okay with the sound? Can you hear me? Yep. This one died. Okay. Resurrection Sunday, we'll pray that this speaker come back to life. If it does, hey, you'll know we're legitimate. If it doesn't, we're still legitimate. Hey, hey, hey. All right, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading. Actually, John chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse 23. John chapter 2, verse 23. You'll be able to follow the words up here on the screens as well. You ready? Here we go. John 3, John 2, 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem, and the he there is Jesus... At the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, 
and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Verse 16, probably the most famous verse in the entire Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their words were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now that's a lot of scripture, but that's the most important part of this message. You've just heard the word of God, and this is how God speaks to us today. So we make no apology for reading scripture publicly often. Now let's pray so that you can understand what God has to say to you. Because God is speaking to you this morning through that word and this humble servant. So I need help to speak and you need help to listen. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you that that speaker just came on. (laughs) Lends a legitimacy to us this morning. (laughs) More importantly, Lord, thank you that you gave us your word. The word of God. And that you speak to us through your word. And that Jesus is the word. And that your word gives life. Life. True life. Eternal life. Now, Lord, your spirit. You gave your spirit to help us understand your word. Would you help us understand your word? These poor, miserable creatures who often fail to understand the simplest of things. How can we understand the most profound of things, your word? Lord, this morning, we can have confidence that your spirit will help us understand your word. Lord, give me the words to speak as I explain your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we read about Jesus interacting with the first century Jewish religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. If you will notice there in your notes under the word introduction and here on the screen in John 2.23, we see that Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover. And we see that when he was in Jerusalem, he was very busy. Jesus was doing signs and wonders to such an extent that people believed in him. These signs and wonders aren't explicitly explained to us in verse 23. It just says many people believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But we do have one of the signs that we studied a couple of weeks ago. 
verses 1 through 11 in John 2, it tells us that Jesus turned 180 gallons of water into the finest wine available. Nice. Oh, yeah. Those are the kinds of signs he's doing, and people are going, this dude is for real. But I want to warn you about something here. The folks who were believing in Jesus, that word there in verse 23, they weren't really believing in Jesus. Because look at verses 24 and 25 there in their introduction. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. You see, these people were believing in Jesus like I would believe in a famous football player or a famous artist. Look, there he is. There she is. Oh, you're the greatest. Six months later, when they're no longer the greatest, I don't believe in them anymore. I don't want their autograph anymore. That's the kind of believing in Jesus they were doing. He was a big, famous guy who did some really cool things. Hey, Jesus is turning more water into wine. Yeah, let's go. That was the kind of believing in Jesus. Okay? So therefore, Jesus being God did not entrust himself to these people. Okay? They didn't really know who he was. And you know what? There are some of us who are here today with the very same problem. We believe in Jesus. We know he's done some pretty cool things, but we really don't believe in Jesus. We may respectfully admire him from a distance. We may even think some things about him, but Jesus hasn't entrusted himself to us. A theologian named Don Carson said, Jesus entrusts himself only to those who truly trust in Jesus. This morning, the question is, do you really know Jesus? Who is it that you say you believe in? I believe that God is going to reveal that to some this morning. And that brings us to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, we find, is an elderly teacher of the Jews. He's a respected religious leader. And being a respected religious leader in Jerusalem, Jesus is on the radar for him. First of all, he's watched Jesus do these miracles and signs and wonders. Secondly, he's a little bit concerned because everybody's believing in Jesus. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. How about us? What about the religious leaders? And so he's monitoring Jesus' activities very closely. And he decides to bring his disciples, his guys, at night to question Jesus. And I think also he kind of respected Jesus. Well, read for it yourself there in the notes, John 3, 1 uh, 1 and 2. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees, that was the religious group he was a part of, very respected leaders, religious leaders of the Jews, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, I want you to know something this morning. Two things. Number one, when, when Nicodemus said, we know that you're a teacher from God, that was a sign of great respect for Jesus. Jesus was a 30-year-old, basically, carpenter apprentice who'd never gone to college. Nicodemus had like a PhD in religion. So for Nicodemus, an older man, to come to a 30-year-old man and say, Rabbi, which was a respectful tone, we know that you're a teacher from God because what you've been doing, no one can do them unless God did them. So Jesus must have been doing some pretty amazing things. Now, this morning, 
I want you to identify with Nicodemus. We have a lot in common with Nicodemus, though none of us this morning is a first century Jewish religious leader. But we have all come this morning to interact with Jesus. Oh, yes, you're here to interact with Jesus. You may not understand that fully, but you are. Because Jesus is here. And the Spirit of God is here. And the word we're reading is talking about Jesus. So like Nicodemus, we're like walking up to Jesus and saying, Jesus, we're here because we respect you. You're a great teacher. Can we ask you a few questions? I want you to identify with Nicodemus. I want you to identify with the fact that we come to Jesus with certain formal, respectful greetings. But... Just like Nicodemus came to Jesus with some respect, Jesus, Jesus is going to adjust Nicodemus's understanding of Jesus. Nicodemus comes and says, we know you're a teacher. Jesus is about to blow Nicodemus out of the water. And he does so right there in verse 3. First thing he says to him right out of the water, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that truly, truly there, I want you to see that as breaking news. Okay, imagine yourself, you're watching your favorite TV program. And all of a sudden, right across the screen, bam, your favorite program is interrupted. Boom, breaking news. Captain of a ship is, is kidnapped by pirates. Breaking news. 2001, I'll never forget this. 8.30 in the morning, I was watching a program. Breaking news, World Trade Center towers have been attacked. It, it breaks to the, 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 the World Trade Center's on fire. Breaking news. I mean, Jesus is saying like, wake up. This is important. This morning, Jesus is saying, wake up. This is important. Breaking news. I've come to interrupt your regularly scheduled program. I've come to interrupt your regularly scheduled life. Nicodemus with some breaking news that you did not know and I'm about to share with you. And you know what, guys? Jesus often interrupts our regularly scheduled lives with breaking news. The difference being, in our world, breaking news usually means, "Uh uh-oh, who died? Where did the crash occur? What did they attack? In this case, it's, oh, yes, God is going to speak. Breaking news Truly, truly, I say to you, but what he says to him makes no sense to Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, say what? (laughs) That's the modern translation of verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? That's just like, say what? Huh? Excuse me? (laughs) See, what was Jesus doing? Remember, Jesus is God. Nicodemus thinks that Jesus is a good teacher who's, who has God with him. Jesus is going to adjust his understanding. No, no, I'm not a good teacher who has God with him. I'm God. And therefore, when, when Jesus responded to Nicodemus, he did not respond to Nicodemus' words. I mean, Jesus' response does not make sense from what Nicodemus said. He responded to Nicodemus' thoughts. Now, I know some of you think you're God. And you think you know what I'm thinking and what's in my heart. And we do that all the time. We judge each other. And, well, I'm just responding to what I know you're really thinking. But I didn't say that. That's okay. I know you're thinking that. Like, who died and made you God? See, in this case, he is God. So, so, so Nicodemus is actually saying this to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I can come to God 
through my good works, because after all, I'm a Pharisee. I can come to God through my reasoning of Scripture. And Jesus knows that Nicodemus is saying that. He's saying one thing with, with his mouth. Oh, great teacher, we know God's with you. He's thinking, I could come to God, man, on my own. So Jesus answers his thoughts. What are your thoughts this morning about God that you don't tell anybody? He's going to answer them. I don't know what they are. He does, and he's going to talk to you right now. Okay? So he answers Nicodemus' thoughts, and he says to Nicodemus, and I love this, you cannot come to me, you cannot come to God through your good works or your religion. You can only come to me by being born again. Nicodemus thought he meant physically born again. How can I go into my mother's womb, I'm an old man, and be born again? That's weird. That's gross. Jesus says, I'm not talking about that. Look at verse number 5. He says, you must be born of the Spirit. Jesus answered him, John 3, 5. Truly, truly, breaking news. We're following a developing story. So the first one was breaking news. The second one is we're following a developing story. You're going like, enough with the developing story. I'm going to watch my program. You ever had that? Like you're getting right to the the key point of 24. Jack Bauer is just about to wipe out the bad guys. Breaking story. And it's Channel 7, you know. Breaking story. The wind blew a little tree down. Yeah, you you know what I'm talking about, right? If you work for Channel 7, I'm sorry, okay? But that's what they do. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? Because it gets your attention. Honey, come in real quick. It's a breaking story. A dog was killed in Miami Lakes. And now we're in Miami Lakes. Look at the poor dog. You know, it's just like, enough already. But I digress, which is a bad habit I have. Breaking story, following the breaking story, verse 5. Listen up, Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's interesting. In verse 3, he says to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. In verse 5, he says, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Do you know what the kingdom of God is synonymous with? Well, of course you don't, because you're not a first century Jewish religious leader. I'm here to help you understand what it means, okay? Nicodemus would have understood. You know what it meant? You know what the kingdom of God meant for Nicodemus? Eternal life. Eternal life. No time to go there, but you can jot down in your margin. You can study this for yourself. And, oh, please do study this for yourself. Matthew 19. Matthew 19, verses 16 and 24. Right next to where it says kingdom of God, either in verse 5 or in verse 3. Write down Matthew 19, 16 and and verse 24. That scripture tells us that when Jesus says kingdom of God to every good Jew, you know what he's saying? Eternal life. Eternal life. Eternal life's a nice thing to have, isn't it? I mean, the older I'm getting, my hair is now gray, going white, man. I'm going white. Okay, I'm heading for white. Forget gray. Uh, I realize that my life on this earth is coming to an end quickly. My only hope's eternal life. So Jesus is saying, breaking news, we're following a breaking story. How can you get eternal life? Nicodemus, you knucklehead, you cannot get it by trying to figure it out on your own. I'm not talking about you being born again physically from your mother. I'm talking about you being born from above. That's what verse 5 says. You being born of water and the spirit. Don't get hung up with that. All that means is this. It's talking about the same birth. It's a spiritual birth. 
Study this for yourself this afternoon. Write down next to where it says water and spirit, Ezekiel. That's right, Ezekiel. Look it up in the table of contents. Chapter 36, verse 25 through 27. Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 25 to 27. Don't go there. All it says is this. And by the way, Nicodemus would have understood this. In the Old Testament, when God wanted to purify his people, he did it with water. Brilliant. And when God wanted to give people a new heart, he did it with his spirit. So when Jesus says you got to be born of water and the spirit, you know what he's saying? you got to have something that you can't do on your own, something from heaven, something from God, and that something from God is to be cleansed by God and to be given a new heart by God. You can't figure it out yourself, Nicodemus. And I say to you this morning, you can't figure it out yourself. You can't. This scripture is talking about something that is called the sovereignty of God. It's what put your body in that seat right now. Now, you may be here because a friend invited you. By the way, thank you for coming. I am a bit crazy, and I do yell and scream a lot, but I'm passionate about the Lord, and I love you, and I want you to hear from God, and I think this Bible is speaking to you this morning through this mouth, and sorry for that, but at least it's the Bible speaking to you, okay? And, and God wants to say something to you. This is what it is. I'm sovereign. I'm God. You're not. And you need what only I can give you. That's what it's talking about here. Good news is you're here. That means he wants to give it to you. Because there's a lot of empty seats. We pray for folks to come fill those. But right now you're in that seat. You're in that seat. And so, so Nicodemus hears God interrupt his regularly scheduled religious life. Hears God interrupt his regularly scheduled religious understanding. And suddenly he's, he's, he's all perplexed and he's there with his dudes, you know, like Nicodemus, the big teacher is with all his, his gang, you know, and Jesus is over here with his disciples. As a matter of fact, the guy that wrote this is the evangelist, John, the evangelist. He wrote this because he was there. So Jesus' guys are here. Nicodemus' guys are there. And so he's saying, this can't be. There you go. This can't be. (laughs) Actually, what he says, and look in the scripture there with me. He says in verse 9, John 3, 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? At this point, Nicodemus is starting to understand what Jesus is saying. You've got to be born from above, Jack. There is something that's going to happen to you that's beyond what you can figure out with your mind and your religion. And maybe you have come to just such a place in your life this morning. Oh, continue following the breaking news. Because what Jesus says to Nicodemus is this. Look to Christ for spiritual life. Look to Christ for spiritual life. That's on the uh, back of the next page of your notes. Look to Christ for spiritual life. This is what Jesus is saying to us and to Nicodemus. It's what John chapter 3, verses 10 to 15 say. Read it with me. John 3, 15. Excuse me. John 3, 10. Jesus answered him. This is right after Nicodemus screams, how can this be? Jesus then says this. Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Can I just tell you right now, I don't think Jesus is dissing Nicodemus. I really don't. I really don't. You know what I think Jesus is doing? It's what he does to you and me. He's being kind. He's saying, you know, Nicodemus, I want to honor you because you are a teacher of Israel. Remember, Nicodemus has all his dudes with him, right? 
all his disciples, all his guys. And he's saying, you are a teacher of Israel. But oh, Nicodemus, there's something you don't yet understand that I want to teach you. Because I'm not just a good teacher. I'm God. That's what I believe is going on here. So when he says that in verse 10, he says, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Here we go. Breaking news, following the breaking news, verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Now, jump back to verse 2. Can you look at verse 2 in your notes there? What does verse 2 say? When Nicodemus first showed up, what did he say to Jesus? This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know. You see that? We know that you are a teacher sent from God. You know what Jesus is saying right there? Hey, Nicodemus, you come to me saying you and your, your gang know some things, but I'm coming to you to say we, me and my gang, the Trinity, <laughs> know some things. And what we know trumps what you know. But you're not receiving our testimony. It gets even better. It gets even better. Let's follow this. This is exciting stuff, guys. Verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jesus is saying, I'm about to give you a snapshot into heaven. And Nicodemus is saying, how can you give me a snapshot into heaven, Jesus? (laughs) Here comes the punchline. Breaking news is breaking right now on Nicodemus' head. Verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. You know what Jesus just said to Nicodemus? I came from heaven. So what I'm telling you is eyewitness account. Eyewitness news at 11, okay? (laughs) Jesus is the eyewitness. And he's the eyewitness because Jesus is God because Jesus came from heaven, the second person of the Trinity, where he saw God the Father. He is God the Son and God the Spirit. And when they talked about the fact that in order to have eternal life, you have to have something that you can't give yourself. I can give it to you. Receive my testimony, Nicodemus. You and your gang come with some knowledge. It's not even your original knowledge. I come to you from eyewitness account. I just saw it. I was just there. I'm 30. It's 30 years ago, but in eternity, what's 30 years? Here's the deal. You have to be born again. Now, here's where it doesn't help to be a 21st century Gentile. Okay? Which is what we all are. 21st century. Got that? Nicodemus, being a first century Jewish religious leader, would have understand this next phrase. For us, we don't, so I'm going to help explain it to you. Look at verse 15. What up with Moses? Where did he come from, right? Well, this is where he came from. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is, given, Jesus is giving Nicodemus and us the punchline. And here's the punchline. And, and, and I love doing this. Oh, my Gentile friends. (laughs) There may be a Jewish person here. If there is, thank you for coming. But we didn't grow up learning this. Nicodemus did. Moses, in 1400 BC, so about 1400 years before this happened, was leading 2 million Jews, God's people, just like we're God's people, through the desert. And they were giving God a really hard time. Now, I know you've never done this, but they were complaining to God. They were rebelling against God. They were doing all kinds of horrible things to God. They were sinning. 
And holy God must judge unholy man when unholy man dares to come into holy God's presence, which is why most churches are empty on Sunday morning. No one wants to come into God's presence because they know they're sinners. And you know how God judged Israel in 1400 B.C.? They were in a desert, right? How would you judge people if you're in a desert? You send them snakes, poisonous snakes, lots of them. Remember, there was two million people. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, come these poisonous snakes. Sounds like a horror movie, doesn't it? It's true. And these poisonous snakes start biting people, and people are dying. I mean, they are dying. There is no antidote. They're in a desert. They're dying. And Moses goes, God, don't kill your people. We're your people. I want to intercede for them. Moses is a picture of Jesus. And you know what God tells Moses to do? The most unusual thing. He says, craft a serpent out of bronze. Put it on a stick. Raise the stick up over the people and declare to the people, when you're bit by the poisonous serpent, look up at the bronze serpent and you'll physically be healed and receive life. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus 1,400 years later, just like that serpent was raised in the wilderness and people looked to that serpent to receive physical life, so the Son of Man, and he's talking about himself, is going to be raised up on a cross in just three short years, suffer a horrible death. If you've seen the passion of the Christ, it will move you to the beating of God, the Son, and then he's going to be put in a tomb, and then three days later he's going to be raised from the dead, which we celebrate today. That's why I'm all crazy today. And then 40 days later, he was lifted up into heaven and he ascended into the heavens. And Jesus said, just like Israel in the wilderness looked to a physical serpent and had physical life, you, you must look to me. I'm the one that that serpent was pointing to and I was lifted up. And when you look at me, you'll get spiritual life. You'll live forever. But Nicodemus, you got to give up your thinking on this. Stop looking down and in. Start looking up and out. Oh, friend, what puny little idea of God do you bring to the table this morning? You want a front row seat to the kingdom of God? Got to believe. Got to give it up. And look up to the one who was lifted up for you and who rose from the dead. This morning, we celebrate that. What glorious news, breaking news. We're here. It's been resolved. The crisis has been resolved. In verse 15, the crisis is resolved. And suddenly the picture goes out. The live feed goes out. And the news commentator comes up. And in verse 16, what you have in John 3.16 is the commentator steps up to the plate. You know who the commentator is? It's God. But you know who he uses? John the evangelist. Okay? So as the scene fades away from the emergency situation, now your news anchor is going to step forward. John the evangelist. And he's going to give you God's commentary on what just happened. Let's read it. John 3.16. John 3.16, friends, is probably the most well-known scripture in all of the earth. You see it on big placards at football games when they're going to kick the extra point. Some guy's sitting in the end zone like that, John 3.16. You know, have you ever wondered, what does that say? Uh, hate to bring this up to some of you, but Tim Tebow had John 3.16 underneath his eyes during the uh, 
football championship game, the college football championship game that the Gators won. <clears throat> he had John 3.16 underneath his eyes right here, okay? So John 3.16 is God's narrative to Nicodemus and to us, and let's read it, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Just like the Israelites looked at the bronze serpent and did not perish physically, so those of us who believe in Jesus look at the son who is lifted up and will not perish eternally. You know what this says to you, my friend? That the motivation for God to send his son is that he loves the world. He gave his most precious gift because he loves the world. Now stay with me for a second. Let's follow this. God doesn't hate the world. He loves the world. Jesus didn't come, and in your notes you'll find this phrase, to condemn the world, but to save us. Now let's read a little more scripture, and I'm going to try to explain it to you. Look at what it says in John 3, 17 to 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Some of you need to hear this this morning. God's not out to condemn you, man. He's for you. He came to save you. Now, we're about to dip into human responsibility right now because we've been talking God's sovereignty, but you've got to believe. We'll get to that in just a moment, what that looks like. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but, 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 huge word, circle that word, but whoever does not believe, it is your choice. It is God's choice, and it is your choice. God chooses, you must choose. You must respond. This is human responsibility. This is the second half of the equation of salvation. You must confess him as Lord. You must bow your knee to him, and you must live your life for him. You cannot use him as some cosmic good luck charm. Some cosmic fire insurance. Do not play with God. But he's for you. Don't play with him. Worship him. That's what this is saying. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Now, here's the cool part. We're back to first century Jewish religious leader, which you're not. So help me, uh, let me help you explain something. You know what, G- you know what Nicodemus would have thought prior to Jesus saying that word, as a good Jew? Here's what Nicodemus would have thought. God will send the Messiah, the Savior. And when the Messiah comes for a good Jew in the first century, guess what Messiah is going to do? He's going to go all Jack Bauer up on everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A Jew back then thought when Messiah came, he would save all of Israel and judge everybody else. (laughs) Which if you were a Jew living in the Middle East back then, the Romans were your oppressors. And they hated the Romans. The Romans were very oppressive oppressors. And so they were looking forward to the day that God would send Messiah, our leader, and he's going to kick their, and he's going to deliver us. Okay? And, and, And God is adjusting Nicodemus's thoughts. God is adjusting Nicodemus's thoughts. And you know how he adjusts them? He says, Nicodemus, come here. God loves the whole world. I mean, at this point, Nicodemus is like, he is like, what? Yes. And salvation isn't just for the Jews. No. And if anybody will believe, God will save them. 
What? And Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Huh? I thought he came to save us, but condemn everybody else. You're wrong. Just like you're wrong. And you're wrong. And I'm wrong so often about what God is and who he is. We live in our little worlds of who God is. Nicodemus had this little world. He was the king of his world. And Jesus just came in and blew his world apart. Now, why is that good news for you and me? Because we're not Jews. So if Nicodemus was right, we're in real trouble. Because the day God comes back, and he's coming back, we're going to get judged. There's no hope for us. We're condemned. But Jesus says, there is hope for you. I've come to save you. I am God's only begotten son. I'm the precious gift of God for you. God sent the very best for you. But, but don't play. You've got to believe. You see, I didn't come to condemn. I came to save. But you're condemned if you don't believe. Do you catch that? There's a tension there. Get in the boat is how Noah would have said it. Are you going to die? Get in Christ in the cross or you're going to die. And no amount of good works or your philosophies or religion or anything else you can think of or money, certainly not money, is going to help you. Now, let's conclude with this. What does it mean to believe? What does it mean to believe? Look at the final section there. In your notes, come to the light, be done with the darkness. John 3, 19 to 21. And this is the judgment. What's the judgment, Jesus? If you came not to condemn, but to bless, and if we believe unto blessing, then what's the judgment? What's the warning here? Okay? Here it is. And this is the judgment. Verse 19. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. You want to know how I know you believe? Not just a respectful, oh, I believe mentally, but I am entrusting my life to Jesus. You'll come to the light, friend. You'll come to the light. You won't be perfect. I'm not perfect. I've sinned even in preaching this sermon. I told you, I'm a fallible creature. But this, this is true. And God, God is merciful. And my hope isn't that I can be perfect, but my hope is that I'm going to live in the light. So don't tell me you're saved and live a secret life that no one knows. Don't tell me you're saved that you believe in Jesus and live for yourself. Jesus says that's not an option. You've got to come to the light. I'll take care of you. I'll forgive you. I'll give you what you can't give yourself. I will let you see the kingdom. I'll let you enter into the kingdom. I'll let you have eternal life. Believe me. That means that I was walking this way, and God says, turn now, and it's a change of direction. It is not perfection. I am not going to be perfect. He's not saying you have to be perfect to prove to me that you believe, but your direction has to change. I have to want to come to God. I have to want to walk in the light. And he will help me. And he does help me.
The evidence that we truly believe and trust in him is that we walk in the light and stop hiding the evil deeds that we're doing. Stop justifying them. We just give in to the Lord. Are you in the dark this morning? Then please repent. Change your mind about who Jesus is. Bow your knee and your life to him by trusting him. And he'll give you eternal life. Can I, can I end with this? You ever wonder what happened to Nicodemus? You ever wonder what happened to him? Probably about a year or so later, we find Nicodemus. He appears in the pages of Scripture. You know how he appears? As one who defends Jesus before the very Pharisees that he's a part of. And we find him in one more place. You know where we find Nicodemus? This moves me, you know, because he didn't deserve this. I don't deserve to be saved. Neither do you if you know the Lord. But we find Nicodemus cradling the dead body of Jesus along with a guy named Joseph of Arimathea and carrying him into a tomb and laying him in the tomb and at his own expense buying the perfume to embalm Jesus. And though scripture doesn't say this, and though there is some discussion on whether Nicodemus was a true believer, I agree with Don Carson. I think he was. You know where I think we found Nicodemus later on in the New Testament? I think we found him among all those Pharisees that got saved. Some of them lost their life. And you know what? I think I'll see Nicodemus in heaven because he allowed the Lord to adjust his thoughts about God. Will you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we close this service, Father God, we we pray in the name of your Son, the Son of Man, the one who came from heaven to earth, the one who was lifted up on a cross to die for my sin, the one who was buried, the one who was raised from the dead. We celebrate that this morning. We believe, Lord, though we do not see with our physical eyes, we believe because your word tells us. We have faithful witnesses down through the centuries. But Father, I pray for my friends that are listening this morning. Lord, I pray that the breaking news from heaven would interrupt the regularly scheduled life they were leading. That you would give them eternal life this morning. Lord, for those of us that might know you, Lord, would you break into our regularly scheduled lives that often become mundane? We often grumble and complain. Oh, Lord, break in with the glorious news that you've given us what we could never give ourselves, new life in Christ forgiveness of sins, atonement for all the wrongs that we've done. Oh God, may that bring a joy to our heart, smile to our face, faith to our lips. Lord, we we now give this song to you. In Jesus' name.